Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill Mahaffey. Take it away, boys. Welcome back, race fans. I'm Kevin Olson, your host, uh, along with a whole group of people today. We have a very important and special episode today. It is the General Clinton preview episode, and I am joined by the Neon Bandit, uh, Bill Mahaffey. We got Ryan Matthews. We got Rebecca Davis. And our guest today is Phoebe Reese. How is everyone doing today? Doing well, Great. Can't wait for next weekend. <laughs> I'm just going to go with a woo-woo. Glad to be on the air recording. <laughs> awesome. We got a lot planned for you guys in this episode, but it's all geared around the General Clinton Canoe Regatta. We are one week out from the, from the first big Triple Crown race of the season. And it's shaping up to be a to look like a good event. We are all excited to talk about it. So without further ado, let's start in with uh, our show. Let's start off with introducing Phoebe. Phoebe is a local to the General Clinton, and she's going to tell us a little bit about herself, a little bit about her paddling background and her Clinton background. All right. Well, I guess I started paddling really young eight or nine years old because my dad was a or is still a paddler and we mostly just did fun local races but when I was 13 years old my dad and I did our first Clinton and I did my first six Clintons with my dad as a as a teenager and then I kind of took a long 15 or so year break from competitive paddling to college and having a family and just kind of got back into it in the last I don't know, maybe five years or so, five, six years. Great. Phoebe, now you're also, you're pretty active with NIPRA too. Am I correct with that? We, you know, the last two years with COVID, NIPRA unfortunately hasn't been real active, but yes, in the past I've been active with NIPRA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. And you, do you live in Oneonta? I'm not exactly sure exactly yeah. where you live. Yep, I live right in Oneonta. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, that's like the midpoint of the of the race course uh, for the Clinton. So that's great. And now one other thing too, we're, a couple years ago, was it in 2019 that they started with the big women's purse? I think that was in 2018. 2018. Now you did like the t-shirts for that, right? Yeah, Melissa Swislowski, um and I kind of. <sighs> you know, I don't want to say spearheaded, but we kind of were a push. You were. <laughs> yes, we were. Um, so we, we sold t-shirts to raise money and solicited money from sponsors. We canoe at t-shirts with like Rosie, the riveter paddler, my sister designed mm-hmm. for us. Yeah, that was awesome. And that's why I wanted to give you some, some credit for that because, uh, that has well stuck because the, you know, the, the payout structure of the Clinton, I think, it changed since then. And I, I like how it is right now. Yeah, it has, and just looking at the list of women teams that are going to be in the Clinton this year, there are some really, really strong teams. So I think it's going to be a good year in that respect. For sure. All right. 
Now what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of have a general discussion on some of the early season races and how they're how what we've seen in some of those races is how we think it's going to play out at the Clinton. Anyone want to start with their um, discussion points on this? Yeah, I can take that first. So quite a few races have happened in the last month uh, where most of the top teams have been racing. Uh, I think I've been to most of them. <laughs> we'll start off, I guess, I think Wessels was after Canton, right, Phoebe? Yes. Yep. Okay. Canton. So Canton Canoe Weekend, I think, was first. Got a look at some of the top Canadian teams. Steve Lajoie and Mike Davis were a midnight before the race pairing, <laughs> and they ended up kind of in a surprise winning Canton over Jimmy and Guillaume. So that was a pretty, pretty big deal for me personally. <laughs> yeah, that was um, pretty big news for the canoe racing world overall, I would say. But yeah, carry on. Yep. Yeah, I got dropped by my husband. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, we, everyone, you know, like they talk about like your hall pass, like Steve's Mike's hall pass. So like you can race with Steve, Mike, if he asks <laughs> you and I'll just figure something out. So it all worked out. I ended up stealing actually Phoebe's partner for the weekend. I raced at Curly Super Fun. We had a great time. Not relevant to the Clinton, but thanks, Ed, for bailing me out. <laughs> uh, and then we got to see a lot of the, um, actually, a, a good mix of teams uh, at Wessels, too, with the more local Susquehanna Valley teams racing there. Phoebe was in it, uh, Pat and Ryan, and uh, Jake and Matt were the top two there. Yes. Yep. Pat and Ryan followed by Jake and Matt. I'll kind of interject and say that one of the biggest things that I've seen uh, this spring that's that's jumped out with me is how how strong Pat has been this whole whole entire spring. He's really shown. I always knew that he had like he had that in him, but it always seemed like he was he'd always have something that went awry with, with, uh, certain races, but now he's starting to put all the, all everything together. He's really, you know, taking all that strength that he has and really starting to put it to good use. So I'm, I'm really, uh, really excited to see how he's going to do with the Clinton this year. And he's I really also noticed in the work. Yeah. He's been putting in the work for a long time, you know, and it's one of those things, but I think, you know, Ryan, Ryan's been putting in the work too, you know? So I think I think this is a they're one of the teams for in my opinion that I'm I'm on the lookout for in this race. Definitely. Yeah, you, you plant corn, you you get corn, and those two guys have been have been plowing the fields and planting the corn, right? And I think it's time it may harvest. So yeah, absolutely. Ross Common brought together a lot of the Texas teams or the Texas paddlers that are some a lot of them pairing with the Michigan paddlers uh, that we should be looking for. Chris and Ryan raced together and finished uh, second, I believe. Really strong showing for their first race, um, followed by Wes and Weston. Uh, Another strong showing, Danny Medina was with Colin Hunter at that race. They were fifth, but that's probably one of Danny's better finishes in such a competitive field, so that bodes well for his Clinton. And uh, right behind them, you had Kyle... Stonehouse, Logan Miner, um, together. Lots of close racing. Ross Common tends to be that way, so it's not always sure that that's how those teams will stack up in the Clinton, just based on the start and the hard passing. But um, that means the competition is going to be pretty tight and and pretty tough. 
Yeah. Now, what was? I I don't have it in front of me. What what place did uh, Jake and Mearsman come in at uh, at Roscoe? So they didn't race together. Matt Mearsman okay. was with Jordan Wakeley. Oh, they yeah, that's won. It. Yep, they won the race. Uh, and then, but are not coming to the Clinton together. Uh, Jordan decided to spend the early part of the season focusing more on his bike racing. Uh, he likes the balance between the two, and thought that worked well for both. Uh, last year so sticking with that plan for this year and then um, Jake was with Ed Curley and they got stuck behind Mike and I for the entire race so they ended up eighth but again it was the race was pretty tight and it was really hard passing so yeah yeah, you you have to understand the looking at the results it's hard to really judge teams based on who's faster than who at Roscommon just Mm -hmm. due to the way the race structures out because if you get stuck that it doesn't mean that you're faster or slower than somebody. It's just tough to pass there. Yeah. Okay. And it also has a little bit of that spikes effect where like local teams who either train the course a lot or are really comfortable with that type of water tend to have maybe an elevated position compared to their like triple crown finishes just because they're so jazzed for a hometown race and on water they know that it kind of bumps gives them a little bit of a boost. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep, yeah. some home cooking. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember which. It may have been. What race did Jake and Mearsman do together? They, I know they did uh, the one this past weekend. But so they, they did, did another one, too. Wessels and then Cockallen. Yeah, um, yep, so they were second at <laughs> Wessels. Uh, I think about two and a half. I might not be correct, but I believe it's two and a half or so minutes behind Pat and Ryan. Um, a strong showing there. Leading into. Cockallen, uh, West and Weston were able to get away on that one and had a pretty comfortable lead after the first lap. It was a two-lap race. And then Jake and Matt were fighting, fighting it out with Mike and I the whole way. They were able to get rid of us, but that was, uh, you know, they showed they had really good speed. You know, it's just going to be making sure they don't overdo it when they're hanging with some, some teams that are a little bit faster. I think that's going to be the key for them. Yeah, yeah. They're they're just another one of those teams that I'm on the lookout for just because, you know, Jake's Jake's risen so fast and, you know, Mearsman's always always up there, but he's a, you know, great champion. But, you know, it, to to see the combo, to see what what's going to happen with the combo, I think is is interesting, so that's why I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, I I think Matt is really, you know, he can put you at your full potential. He's really good at making his partners comfortable. Um, really a good positive voice and positive leadership in the boat. Uh, they have a really high ceiling. Uh, it's just going to be whether or not, you know, this will this will be one of the first big races that Jake's done at the front. And Jake has shown that he has the maturity and the poise to stay there. Um, but it is a little bit of a different ballgame when you get into that triple crown. So I'm really hoping... Um, they put together a perfect race, a really fast race. I think they absolutely can. It's just hard to say until you have that little bit of track record behind you. Um, you know, we're, we're all unte- untested at that point, right? Yeah. Dave's yeah. doing so well this year, but I, I think it makes us forget that he really is a rookie. I mean, this is his first Clinton ever, too. So um, I think he definitely has a lot of potential, and I hope that they do well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I know the the other thing that I wanted to talk about is um, Canton's uh, showing of the of the women. Canton had a, a really good uh, turnout in the women's field. Um, 
and like you like you were saying, Phoebe, the the turnout for the you know um, people that registered for the Clinton is uh, women is is also strong. So you were there. Tell us a little bit about um, how Canton was with with respect to that, because we saw some of the teams that we're going to be seeing uh, seeing in the Clinton. Right. So Canton, um, I paddled with Sarah Lassard, um, and it was, I think, kind of a warm up for Sarah because she's paddling bow um, with Mary Schlimmer in the Clinton. Um, so I was kind of subbed in for Mary. But um, we had a really tough race against Ev Chamberlain and Lydia Hillscamp. They are very, very strong paddlers, uh, and I think that you know they'll probably be one of the one of the top teams along with Sarah, Sarah and um, Mary at the Clinton. Uh, but the, you know we we were definitely neck and neck with them for a while, and then pulled ahead toward the end. Yeah. Being um, it, uh, getting to watch that race on the water <laughs> as it unfolded. Uh, one thing that's really hard about Clinton is it's very much a power, or not Clinton, excuse me, the Canton race is a power course for the women. Um, and I know Lydia and Ev are, are a pretty strong team, I mean, as are Sarah and Phoebe, but I think that makes it a little bit harder to separate um, when you have two strong women's teams, which maybe the, the flow between the the current, like the fast sections and the slower sections at the Clinton may allow for those teams to spread out a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. The Clinton just has more varied type of water. It may be a little bit more difficult um, for the less experienced um, teams to, to stay up with Sarah and Mary. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, does anyone else have anything else they want to discuss on uh, pre- uh, on the um, on the early season races before we get into further discussion on the Clinton. I'd like to add in about, uh, I believe it was the same weekend as Canton. It may have been the weekend before. It was the Texas prelim, uh, so the, the lead-up race to the water safari. And uh, Caitlin Minar and Cecily Boogie raced that together. They're going to be another team to watch in the women's race at the Clinton and um, they were the second C2 overall and had a really, really good showing there in absolutely brutal conditions. It was like five hour race, which is unusual. That race is usually um, shorter due to higher water. Uh, so I think they're going to be tough and probably a team that's going to come on the second half of the race just because they've been putting in those long training hours. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There's also I, I gotta give a shout out to Kelly Truett and Megan Roberts, uh, um, and the women's. Uh, Megan uh, was someone that she's been using my. Uh, um, I made that uh, Clinton Clinton plan uh, program out uh, a couple months ago. Back in um, basically a good structure for someone that has never uh, done structure, um, and she's been using that. And, and Kelly Truett's from St. Pete. St. Petersburg. That's just uh, about 45 minutes away from me. So it'll be an interesting yeah. team. Kelly and Megan were very strong at Wessels. Um, they're another team. I think they come from Dragon Boat or OC1, yep. if I'm yep. correct. Um, and they have a lot of, lot of potential. Very, very strong. I think that, again, the um, the course and the river and just having some, some more experience and skill in the different types of, of water uh, might be a little more difficult for that team. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But the, the, I just had to give him a little shout out. <laughs> you, you know, I think that's a. I think 
I was going to say, I think that's a good segue into like talking about the race, the distance, the conditions, things like that with the Clinton, unless anybody else has anything to add. No, nope, um, that's, that's a good segue. Um, who, who wants to, who wants to start here? Uh, Phoebe, do you want us to give us a little bit of background on the race or? Um, sure. I guess, I mean, just basics. It, it, um, I, I don't know how many years the race has been around, but definitely for a long time, it starts up in Cooperstown on Otsego Lake and then travels not quite 70 miles, um, by modern measurement down to <laughs> not that anybody's counting, yeah. but no. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's, it, GPS no, is at 62. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's, there, you know, there's the deep water of the lake. There are some, you know, deeper, slower moving sections. Uh, there's some twisty, turny, fun sections. Uh, there's some standing waves and faster water. So, um, and then there's just shallow, grinded out. So there's really a little bit of everything. And three portages. Yes, <laughs> and three portages. Yeah, you know, this sure. might be more than three. I don't know. It's it's pretty shallow. <laughs> Boy. Okay, so it, is it is it looking like it's going to be a low water year? Let's just get it out there. Yeah, I would say that it is. I'm, I've seen shallower, but it is pretty shallow. Um, the last two days, Ed and I uh, and Patrick and Ryan have been doing some kind of downriver scouting, um, and it is fairly shallow. Uh, today we went um, from the lake in Cooperstown to about an hour down in Index uh, through that top twisty section, this kind of the swamp, I think people call it. Uh, and there were, uh, we, we weren't really scraping bottom, but there were a lot of logs on the bottom that were real close. You know, we'd go by and go, whoops, that was, that was a close one. Um, and then we also scouted from Goodyear Dam down to Oneonta. And there were definitely times when we were scraping, scraping bottom with the bottom of the boat. Now, I think, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I think, you know, race day, it might not be as bad because they do usually uh, release water from two or three of the dams. Usually they release a little bit up in Cooperstown, um, release some at Goodyear and then East Sydney Dam, which is further down. So we might have a little bit more water, but I don't think it's going to be a high water year by any means. Okay. Has anybody looked? Is there any rain in the forecast? Um, We just we had a big heavy rain. To today, not long ago, but it was only about 20 minutes, so I don't think that'll bring it up. Um, and it's we've had a couple, yeah, and there's nothing in the forecast from here on out that's very um, that looks promising. Yeah, I was I was seeing there's it looks like there's some rain coming Thursday, Friday, but it doesn't look like it's supposed to be that like uh, not that head like right. not not put a put down an inch of rain, so yeah. um. Uh, but yeah, so, um, other things to note. So with the 70, it's, it's always started on the lake, but it's the start has changed over the years. Um, Phoebe, when you were doing it as a kid was the start was always at the the park when you did it back then, correct? Yep. Yeah. We started at the park and went out and turned around a boat or a buoy, um, somewhere out in the lake, I don't don't know, a mile or so, um, turned around that and then came back into the uh, opening of the river. Uh, this, the, I don't know when they started um, 
the new start uh, where there it's at a park. Um, Twenty seventeen. It, it was. It's Brookwood it was, Point. Um, so now they start at a park further up the lake, and instead of having that buoy turn or boat turn, it's just a straight shot down the lake and into the uh, into the head of the river. Yeah, and and for those of you that um, want to know, I mean, I know Ryan likes the history of things, but um, uh, it used to start like uh, in the middle of the the uh, um, lake years ago, too. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the original start. Was they started yeah. in the middle of the lake and they would lose control of it, so that's why they moved it, I believe. Yeah. Yep. So, because my dad always talks about that. So back when he started, was uh, it was out in the middle of the lake, and then and then they moved to the park. And I remember growing up as a kid, always going to that park um, for the start of the Clinton. So now now it's changed a little bit. So I don't have that um, nostalgia at that at the start anymore. But um, I, I I like not having the buoy turn though. <laughs> I agree. What's what's great about that start though is it's uh and I think we were just Google Mapsing it, Google Earthing it before everybody got on. It's like two and a quarter miles to Portage Number One, right? And that's a separator, a great place to to really thin things down a little. Um, so you've got a what would you say, probably a two mile shot until it funnels down, and then another quarter mile to the Portage, something like that. No, it's a um, hold on. Let me actually, I can tell you right now. So you still have it's, Google Earth pulled up. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't mess around, Bill. So it is from the um, from the entrance of the river. It's about 750 meters um, to the first portage. So what's that? It's a half mile. Well, Half yeah, about mile. a half mile. Yep. So, you got about a little under two miles on the on the um, lake, but that that's something that's interesting is that though once you get to the, you know, probably the there there's a good uh, sucky section as you go right into the river that if you're not in the right spot, man, that is can be can be pretty uh a pretty tough spot because the waves will build up from the other boats um you know and and it gets and it gets uh it gets hairy in there a little bit so right i I think the start in the clinton and coming off the lake is really critical because then once you get over that first portage you're in a very narrow twisty river and i i've never done ross common but i've heard it probably is kind of like this where there are a lot of turns and it's very very hard to get get by and pass boats so it, you might not be able to make up a lot of of places once you're in that little river that little part of the river yeah for sure and for sure. Just, just from our scouting up there today i can tell you that there are several spots where it's one boat one boat or two boat wide between some log jams so that it's really gonna kind of thin people out i think there yeah, that that always seems to be the, the the case with that section, um, you know. And you're talking it probably, it's probably six or so miles before it start there starts to get um, 
sections that are straight enough and mm-hmm. wide enough for you to start to make any type of moves. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I have to thank um, the crew that was cleaning out that upper section, though, and cutting out some of the log jams. I know Trevor Lefevre was kind of heading it up. I think Al Shaver and Bruce Lee were there. So thank you, guys. Yeah, always. There, there, there's always a crew that does it, um, and otherwise it'd be almost impassable, some of these things that they cut out. Um, I remember in, uh, what was this, 2013, maybe? Or 2014. Must have been 2014, I think. Or no, maybe I'm thinking way back. So this could have been like in the 2000s when I did it with my dad. There was a um, a couple log jams that they didn't clear out that you had to portage around. Uh, you know, and and we tipped over running into one because it was right around a corner and you couldn't we you couldn't see it. And we were the first boat in the line and we just couldn't turn and so we slammed right into it and tipped right over. But um, let, let's uh let's for those that don't know more about the course, let's kind of break it down a little bit. So after the um what we would call the swap or once you kind of get towards. When when do you want to just say Phoebe it starts to widen now? Is it how like is it after index where it starts to widen now or is it get closer to Milford? You know, I would say it's probably closer to Milford, but there are straight stretches. As Kevin said, there are some straight stretches between index and Milford, but it's pr- still pretty twisty. Um and then after after Milford you get into the deeper um you know, kind of nicer, smoother, straighter stretches. Yeah, there's there's like a nice straight stretch. Uh, I call it bridge out, um, but it's mm-hmm. a Cl- Clintonville Road. Um, there's a nice stretch there that that's a nice viewing spot for anyone that wants to go um, uh, watch the race because you can see them for a little while. Um, but that's a nice nice uh, uh, straight stretch for a little while before you. And that's getting getting close to Milford. So, yeah. um, Milford's really that like. I call it the you know first quarter of the race. Um, Milford is let me pull up my uh, is about 15 and a third miles into the race. Um, around Milford and after Milford, there are these these uh, the the it they're more general uh, gradual turns. Um, and and me and you have had this discussion, Rebecca, how sometimes these might be even more more difficult to navigate than uh, than. Than the swamp, uh, than the swamp section. Yeah, it's uh, this section. The teams tend to kind of pack up more. You get through the swamp. Um, everyone's gone really hard. Maybe some distance has come up, but I think once people start getting to the little bit slower moving water, um, things kind of consolidate back together. And part of that is you can run these corners way too tight, um, or I guess way too wide. But I think with the less current most teams if they air tend to be on the too tight side and it gets really sucky um but yeah the packs start to form and usually i wouldn't say it's a breathing room but you get a little bit of a relax before you go into the next section of the course yeah and so then the next section of the course i would probably describe it as a goodyear lake backwater in my opinion is what i would call it um but that's uh, Portlandville. 
So when you get to Portlandville and you're, you know, coming up on Portlandville, it really starts to straighten out a bit. Um, and then you're, you kind of lose all of your current for the most part. And um, all of your water. It feels yeah. like it's like two inches deep there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and this is, this is the point where you tend to see, like, I remember in 2018 uh, with Matt, we had a, you know, a pack eight wide you know, on the river, you know, so this is where you start to see some really big packs, you know, um, you know, people that, you know, didn't have the greatest start or catching up to, you know, teams that are, that are, you know, going to end up fading. And, and, uh, this is where, you know, you can either make some, you can catch up some time or, you know, potentially lose some time if you're not going hard enough for sure. Well, this is a, it's a serious tactical point in the race too, in my opinion, in that, the portage at Goodyear, you know, we talk about the portages in New York. Uh, if you can sprint, say you're in a pack of six, eight boats, and you can win the race to the portage, you can control your pace on the portage and or just completely drop teams right there, right? It, it's a break point. <laughs> it is, Bill, but in my opinion, it's not just the portage. You have to, in my opinion, you have to combine the portage with the cut after the portage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I'll tell you, in 2018, in that pack of eight boats, me and Matt sprinted to the, and were first on the uh, water after the portage. And we had a really good portage and we were, we were, we were, we were solid. But we went in the second entrance to the cut, not the first entrance, and we lost three teams there. <laughs> so. Yeah, that. So I, in my eleven races, I think the getting to the portage first is best, but getting putting in from the portage first is more important. Like people, and you can pass; it's not great, but there's this awful downhill that you can pass teams on. Uh, then knowing the, which way to go on the cut is super critical, which is really hard to scout because they open the dam like as the race is happening. So what you scout on Friday or Saturday may not be the right path on Sunday. So I'm hoping Phoebe will, will throw me a bone and tell me which way is the best. <laughs> <laughs> but in past years, it's always either entrance one or go around, I feel, is, is better. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think you're spot on, Rebecca. I think if, if especially this year, um, if entrance one is going to be too shallow, entrance two is also going to be too shallow. Uh, and today when we went through there, it was definitely too shallow to stay in your boat. We, it was mostly walking. But again, I think that when they do release water from the dam, you may, you know, m most likely will be able to go through there. But I think entrance one between those two big trees is um, is probably faster than entrance two. You heard it here first on Canoe Race World Podcast. Which which entrance <laughs> to take? <laughs> All depends, depends on the dam release, too, I think. But, I, you know, they were yeah. in the depth of the water in both of those cuts. I think they were pretty similar. Um, and entrance one is more of a straight shot through. And whereas entrance two, you kind of have to go down further and then backtrack up a little bit. Yeah. So... Um, so now we're, we're past, uh, past the Goodyear, Goodyear Lake, which Goodyear Lake, man, that, that lake is not the most pleasant of lakes in my opinion. Um, 
there are definitely some suck suck sections um, on that lake too. So, um, and it can be very windy some some years. Yeah. So um, after that, it's a uh, pretty fast moving water all the, pretty pretty much all the way to the next portage, um, if I remember correctly, uh, in Oneana. Is there mm-hmm. any is there anything uh, special to note there, Phoebe, in that section? Well, I, I, that, I think that's probably the most technical section of the race, at least in my opinion, from the Goodyear Portage to like the 205 bridge. Um, there's the, the area where they call it um, Nickel Bridge with the big concrete abutment that's in the water. That's always tricky. Um, this year, I've been through it twice. It's pretty clear you can go either right of that big concrete abutment or left um but you just you need need to kind of make up your mind as you're coming into it don't don't hang out in the middle too long um it was pretty shallow on the right today uh so if it gets much shallower uh, i don't know if right will be open but i as long as it stays at this level or they release more water uh, i think right will be open or left okay and then, you know, there's a, the only place, the only um, part of the river that I really haven't seen lately uh, since the water got shallow is between the two bridges in Oneonta, the two actual bridges. There's a, an area where there's a big tree down across the left-hand side, um, but there's a very shallow shoal on the right-hand side. So I don't know if you can stay right and then cut back in or if it's just going to be too shallow. We usually would go left, but the tree is kind of crossing across that whole channel. Um, but that's really the only part of the river that I'm not sure about. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, so after the Oneana Dam um, really changes dependent on water level, correct? Right, yeah. I mean, most years there's enough water to put in mm-hmm. right there at the end of the portage and just go straight down um, straight down next to the right bank where, where you get, get in. Um, it was it was too shallow to do that today, but I'm hopeful that with with the dam releases we'll still be able to do that. Right. Um, yeah. Alternative is to to you know you could either run down the side of the right bank until you can put in, or you can go uh, across uh, in front of the dam to the left bank and go down that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now um, I'm also referring to kind of the the rollers that are that are there in that kind of section. Um, mm that dependent on the water level, they can be really, really nasty or not so much. Right. Earlier this year, when the water was high, we saw those rollers, the biggest I've ever seen them, you know, in all my years of paddling. But right now they're, they're, they're not nasty. They're pretty small. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's something like my dad, my dad, um, I think it was 2013 when the water was really high. Um, did it in the C1, and it's almost he really doesn't like going <laughs> when the waters are that high in the C1, um, primarily because of those big rollers and stuff there. Yeah, it can get a little scary. So, all right, so after uh, now talking after Oneana um, and after some of those rollers and everything like that, then it kind of uh, starts a uh, start slowing down a bit um, once you start getting towards Wells Bridge. Um, Wells Bridge is the three-quarter spot. Um, and there's a good, like, 
how long would you say the section is like probably at, i'm saying at this water level phoebe uh, that that it's pretty like pretty mm-hmm. pretty mellow I, I really think most of the section from the 205 bridge down to Wells Bridge is pretty mellow. It's yeah. mellow in places, but not horrible. There's nothing real tricky. Um, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how long that is. It usually takes us about maybe an hour to paddle it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and so then once we get to Wells Bridge, um, then we're in the last quarter of the race. Uh, we gonna say well, when, we get to, when we get to Wells Bridge, we got to wave to Zav, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. we're forgetting something here. ZRE, <laughs> right at Wells Bridge, right? Okay. That's, All right, carry on. That's Sorry. true. Right on the, the, yeah. the, bu- the building right to the right uh, on the right side of the river. Uh, that's, uh, ZR, that's the ZRE headquarters. So, um, yeah, and, and that's, that's where, for people that are coming from out of town, this is where a lot of the local races um occur yeah yeah since at least since um the the last few years with covid we've he's been very generous to let us start and finish some races there because for a while we weren't able to use the state boat launches or other sites that we usually yeah so um so then once we're we're through wells bridge then we're into that's where I, i i mean what I would consider the, the the shallows of the of the race. This is where there's a lot of uh, uh, shallow sections. Um, you go through Unadilla and Sydney. Um, there's green acres cut in there. What what what's to kind of know about this section, Phoebe? Uh, yeah, I think you you were spot on. Usually, even if they do dam releases where the upper section will have more water, the, by the time you get down to Falls Bridge, that kind of has um, dissipated, and it's usually pretty shallow. Um, there are a couple of corners where there are areas where there are some kind of rolling standing waves um, there. There are a couple after Wells Bridge, and then there's um, the old Unadilla Dam. It, it's an old, you know, it's not a dam anymore, but it, there's some waves underwater there or where the dam is underwater. Um, and then the cut of the Green Acres cut, Ed and I paddled up it backwards to see if we could get through. And uh, it's there, it's pretty dammed up, like 10 foot high dams worth of just logs and all sorts of junk. So the cut itself isn't open, but that middle channel um, Mm -hmm. is open. Uh, It's the channel is the main channel. And then there's kind of channel just to the right of that that is open i don't it's kind of questionable though how much faster or if it is faster to go that way than stay in the main channel because there there you know there's some trees branches sticking out and some logs underwater and so you have to maneuver around some things um so i don't i don't know it's probably a toss-up yeah the, the cut itself when open is a game changer but it doesn't sound like it's open um I think it was 2019 with Rodney Elliott. We were just kind of in cruise mode and we were like, oh, we don't even need to take the cut. There's nobody around us. We're golden. Woo. And then a team took the cut and all of a sudden they were there and it was like, whoa, I guess we we probably screwed that one up. So, but huh. hey, maybe it's not a factor this year. I don't know. This is the, never seen so much stuff just in the cut blocking it up as I have this year. So I, I really think that it's not a factor. <laughs> yeah. 
I've never, I've never personally ever taken the cut. I always like when we're talking, I've always scouted it and like, it's always been like not, not enough water. And, uh, so I, when I first, I thought the cut was that middle channel that you're talking about, Phoebe, for, for the longest time. And then I'm looking at a map and showing my dad and my dad's like, that's not the cut. (laughs) So the cut is like a lot bigger than this middle channel. I did do a uh, an article on the cuts um, on the on the website. So if you guys ever want to go look it up, um, but yeah, the, the the cut is definitely a lot larger than this middle channel um, that we're discussing. And then uh, after that, then it's just kind of more uh, some more shallows, uh, and then we have uh, chicken dinner. Yeah, what is it about five more miles or so? <laughs> <laughs> now, now, how how good is people's uh, sense of smell? When can they start smelling the the chicken dinner? I don't know. Not usually until those last straightaways. <laughs> I always know when you see the like the the barn. I guess it'd be a fairgrounds there. Um, that's how I know you're almost, you're almost there. You come around the corner and see that and you know, you know, you're going to make it, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that last section, I mean, pretty much from Wellsbridge down, um, is where you're really going to see if the men's race hasn't broken up already, uh, that's when they'll really start to move. Um, Further back in the field, sometimes that slower section after Oneana between Wells Bridge, we'll see a lot of teams shift. You know, the, the stronger teams uh, in training hours and maybe experience will kind of move up in that section. But as uh, towards the front of the field, everyone's pretty much ready to move in the slower water. Um, but once you hit, especially Unadilla, it's just, it's like you start over again and it's, you know, basically i don't know 90 minutes to the finish and it's pretty much a dead sprint um for all those top teams yeah for sure it's one of those it's one of those sections that you know you can uh if you know how to know when and how to pop you can make you can make leaps and bounds on other teams if you're picking the right line and picking the right time to pick it up yeah, and I would say of the three Triple Crown races, the finish of the Clinton is pro- is the most technical and also um, the most grueling, uh, especially in low water, because you can't give you can't go easy on any of those sections because there's so much time to gain. Uh, yeah. That's definitely where it differs from the Asable, especially uh, the Asable, the second half ish after halfway. Um, it's actually an easier part of the course with a lot of deep water. And then you do hit a, the last 90 minutes is, is really hard again. Um, but usually you have enough space that, you know, if you're, if you've got some minutes, you can say, okay, well, I'm just gonna, I have enough time. Um, the Clinton's not like that. You can do, you know, you actually, and you can see so far ahead too. I think that's one thing that makes it a little bit different. You can see sometimes 10 minutes ahead, someone like crisscrossing the river. Like I call it when it's shallow, the river within the river, you have like the banks that would be there if the water was high. And then you have this like small channel, like zigzagging through the gravel bars. Um, So you can see quite a far, quite far ahead, see what lines are working for people, which ones aren't. 
make adjustments off that. Of course, if you're winning, you just have to pick, but <laughs> but usually they're pretty good at that. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. um but that even even down to that final corner, that final turn into the finish area, um there's that that is still you like that has been used by Serge Corbin m- multiple times to outwit his partners on on uh, tactically. I've seen it on multiple finishes. Yeah, and depending on the year, maybe cutting the course, but <laughs> that's, a, that's a little sensitive one for me. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that that final corner is very technical coming in, I and mean, we've seen just a few years back um, a sprint finish for the win, uh, and it comes down to to those final couple turns and straight away. Yeah, for sure. So let's uh, go around and let's um, give us a, what is your favorite section um, of the river, Rebecca? Why don't we start with you? No, I think I really like the the part between the Goodyear and Oneana Dams is just super fun, probably because it's technical. Uh, and I, I just find that to be a lot of fun to paddle. And I do think Tactically, it's one of the most important sections. You can really make a lot of time. Anytime the water goes from slow to fast, you know, hitting that section first is a huge advantage because you get that that boost, you know, where the other team's moving five miles an hour, you're moving eight. Um, so I think that that's really critical. And then also, once you start hitting the the drops below Wells Bridge, I think that's just really Basically, I guess I like fast water, <laughs> um, but I think there the finish again. I like that when the race really heats up and you know you're fighting for those seconds. Uh, really enjoy that part a lot. Yeah, Bill, what's your favorite part? I, I mean, I've got two of them, uh, uh, but I kind of hinted at the first one. I I like portages in general, but I love the portage at Goodyear. Um, if you are in a pack environment coming into Goodyear. It's intense, right? Uh, first off, you're you're kind of riding together, and it's like a it's like an old sh- it's like a showdown, right? Nobody wants to be the first one to go, but eventually somebody's going to go because they want to win the race to the portage. And then you've got a chance to maybe on the downhill pass or put in better things like that. You go instantly into the cut, just below Goodyear. And as somebody that doesn't know it quite as well, obviously, because hey, did it twice, not from around there. You're kind of guessing, going, well, crap, maybe I shouldn't have passed that New York team because they probably know where to go here. Um, <laughs> so I, I love the portage aspect of it, by far and away. Um, that's my my favorite part. Um, it's a it's a technical kind of kind of situation. And then the finish, the, the finish is fun because all of a sudden everybody's racing regardless to get to the chicken dinner. Right. <laughs> and that's a it's a big deal. It's a lot of fun because you've went 60 miles. You're not totally shot. You're feeling good, but you're tired because you've went 60 mm-hmm. miles yeah. and you got to race it out or through this area of shallows. And it's yeah, the, the finish and Goodyear are my two favorite parts. And, and to get to see if there's still some warm, warm water at the showers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh, I remember taking my first warm shower at the clinic. I'm like, oh, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Made it here while there was warm water left. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say my uh, uh, oh, Phoebe, what's your favorite? Oh, oh, well, I 
I really, I agree. I guess I have two also, but I agree with Rebecca. I really like the section after the portage with the fast moving water down through Oneonta. Um, but my favorite part is probably the top section, the swamp. <laughs> I really like to go through all the twisty, turny corners and really lean the boat up. And I think that part of it is a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a that's a great section, and it's something that if you're a highly technical paddler, able to run a tight, twisty river is a riot. So for sure, for sure. Kevin, what's yours? My my favorite. I'm sorry, I just had to step out, so I did not hear what Phoebe's was. But uh, uh, mine uh, is the swamp. So I I just like running that that section uh, with those tight corners and and. In the swamp cut, because that has that switch back, so you gotta you gotta make sure you hit that cut. Um, yeah, and and everyone's fresh, and you know it's just there's still a lot of energy um, going, and I have a lot of memories in that section of doing it very very poorly. <laughs> so I remember uh, back uh, when I raced with my dad uh, uh, one year, we we every corner. We the team in front of us would just drop us, and then we'd you know catch up to them by the next corner, and then pff, dropped. Uh, and it seemed like that went on for days. But um, that would be my my favorite section. So, um, all right. So let's uh let's talk about um some of the things that the Clinton does well, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's highlight some of the things that we like about the Clinton. Um, this could be, uh, you know, anything, anything that we, that we like, uh, what, what do you guys, what do you guys like out of the Clinton? I really think Phoebe, especially, and Melissa have done a really good job, um, promoting the women in mixed divisions, uh, at the Clinton and that can't be overstated. I think that's changed things in the other two triple crown race, races to make the, the women's racing, uh, more prominent. And I really appreciate all the work they've done there. And I, it's changed tremendously, um, in that regard since I started racing. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Clinton, the, well, I don't work with the Clinton committee closely at all or at all, um, but I think they seem pretty responsive to um, suggestions. Uh, and they, But they have, they don't just put on this 70 mile race, they put on a whole weekend of races. So they really have a lot on their table. I think they do well um, considering, you know, at, when you go to something like the Classique or the Ostable, it's really... The, they're, that's the race, and and with the Clinton, they have several other races, scout races and sprint races and relay races. So, um, they they do do a pretty pretty good job putting on a you know a long distance pro type canoe race. Yeah, I, I was gonna you know I'm gonna kind of compound off of that or play off that a little bit. I I think the thing that the Clinton does really well is that yes there is a pro race and it does happen and it's a fantastic pro race but then they've got all these other different classes and all these other different races and even during the same day on you know well this year it's the sunday race instead of the monday race but you will see all kinds of different paddlecraft out there on the race course competing 
Yeah. And that's fantastic. Yeah. And I'll kind of piggyback off of that, uh, too, and say that I think that's one of the things that Clinton does well is, um, is the, I would call it the amateur, uh, edition of the 72, you know, uh, they're, it's, they're, you know, we can talk about the pro class and everything like that, but there's still a lot of boats out there that aren't uh, professional boats. They have stock boats and aluminum boats. Um, you know, that's stuff that, you know, um, you know, the Texas Water Safari does aluminum boats, but, you know, other than that, you know, uh, the, the Clinton's probably the longest race that you're going to see, uh, uh, you know, Lumacraft and, um, boats out there trudging along and, and those guys, man, they're out there for a long time. They're out there, you know, 12, 14 hours sometimes. A lot of people, I think, I think it's great because a lot of people get their start in, in boats like that or in different races or classes. I know, you know, when I started out, it was in the Friday generation gap race, you know, race, racing with my dad and you see a lot of, of kids start paddling that way. So, um, they, I think the clinic does a great job in that it, it, there's something for everyone. If you want to, if you want to paddle and race, you can, and then hopefully some of those paddlers will continue and, and move on up the ranks and, and try some of the, you know, the faster classes. Yeah, for sure. Um, just one, th- I just wanted to know what you guys' opinion is before we go into the meat and potatoes. Um, what you guys what your guys' opinion is of the move from uh, Monday to Sunday and the combo amateur pro start? Anyone want to give their opinion on it? I'm full of opinions, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like the combined start, um, especially for women's teams. Um, I remember my I think my first time racing pro women's, there were 32 pro teams. And even though we were a good women's team, you're pretty nervous about being out there and not being able to see another team. Now that the starts are combined, that shouldn't be an issue. Um, there should be teams of lots of different ability levels that can compete against each other and just kind of make it more interesting. Um, pretty indifferent about the Sunday versus Monday we live just close enough that we can leave after the race when it was on Monday and make it back to work on Tuesday. Um, so now I'm taking off Friday, which I didn't have to do before. Um, but my job is flexible enough. I can handle it. So I actually will look forward to not going back to work on Tuesday, feeling terrible. Hopefully I'll feel slightly less bad, (laughs) but we'll see after this year. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll lay my opinion in there. Um, I, um, I don't have an opinion on the, the grouping of the amateur pro start. Um, I will say that it, um, it was, it was, it was quite a special experience coming off the lake in first. And I was the, we did that in 2017, which is the last year that they didn't combine the start. Um, so I feel, I just, my only opinion on that is I just feel feel for the amateur um, athletes that are, aren't going to be coming off first off the lake and they would have would have in the past. Um, other than that, it was for us, it was close to an eight hour time trial that year. So um, it's definitely nice to be around other boats. 
<laughs> so for for that, um, my opinion, I, I'm just kind of one of those uh, um, people. I, I kind of wish they kept it the Monday um, personally, but that's just solely because of uh, a nostalgia and and uh, tradition uh, type of reason. I understand why they move it to Sunday, and and I'm all for uh, making it easier on more people. But I think it's interesting that they moved it to Sunday, but I don't necessarily think that it really helped um, helped uh, registrations in in and of itself. I think it's just going to be harder, a little bit harder on the race committee, honestly, squeezing everything together. Um, anyone else want to add in anything before we get to the next I was, segment? I was going to mention as a you know faraway spectator. Um, it's a lot easier to try to get time off when the race is on a Sunday than the Monday um, yeah. to come watch it. So you're coming, right? I still haven't <laughs> found a ride. Uh, still haven't found a ride. I was asking everybody at Colin and uh, everyone's full up. So uh, mm-hmm. as of now, I'm not sure. Hey Bill, you said you had to do you you, you did all your uh, chores this weekend, so you didn't go right. <laughs> I, I did get all my chores done this weekend. Yes, that was I'm uh, kind of bummed because I really actually wanted to go down and race Kakalan. Um That water favors me in a C1, but I had to get everything done around the house today to free up my next weekend. So yeah. anything is possible. Right now I'm leaning towards no. Um, but I have been known to pull off some pretty crazy, like last minute, get in the car now, Matthews, we're going kind of stuff. So anything is possible. So I, you know, as somebody that's a, I almost feel a burning desire to get out there on a Sunday to support it. Uh, mm-hmm. because they made this shift for people, obviously not from New York. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's almost a shame that the registration didn't go up as a result just to support that shift. So for me, it didn't really impact me too much though, because I, I have copious amounts of vacation time that I can take whenever I want. Um, but for a lot of other people, it makes a really big deal. So, yeah. Uh, as far as amateur pro combo start, uh, I like them all starting together. My first trip to the Clinton, uh, signed up pro was a, a slower pro team. And it turned into a time trial for us the opposite way in that we watched the fast pro teams take off and then we just did an eight hour paddle. Uh, My second Clinton experience was after the transition to the amateur pro combo start. Um, And it was great because we were at that point in my career was faster um, and we were still racing with other pros and we were racing with people trying to win the AM class as well and. It was just an overall great experience putting the two classes together. I do understand your point about the like the experience being the team to be out in front all by themselves as an amateur, but I, I like them both together. That's just my personal hot take. Yeah, for sure. Well, all right. Let's 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 get to the nitty-gritty. You guys have uh, hung on with us uh, long enough talking about chitter-chatter. Let's, uh, let's get down to the what we've been told that you guys want to hear is our race predictions so who wants to kind of start off this this show does anyone want to take the first stab at who they think's gonna win the clinton should we uh 
ask our stats guy what the North American paddler ranking is. <laughs> ah, that's a good, that's a that's good a, point, yeah, that's Rebecca. A coward's was, way to ease into it, but let's do it. <laughs> I was going to suggest Bill, since he didn't fill anything out in our spreadsheet here. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the NACPR, or uh, for anybody who doesn't know what that stands for, the North American Canoe Paddler Rankings. Uh, it's not it's not the most perfect system, but uh, it tries to be a, a, as most objective as it can when it comes to ranking and, and whatnot. And it's it's based on um, a, a team's time um, relative to the winning time, and uh, having. I did uh, I did the calculations for both the pros and the amateurs, but I'll, I'll focus on the pros here. Uh, first place projected is Mike Davis and Steve Lajoie, and in, per the math, it's by less than a minute. Oh boy. Over Guillaume and Jim. So, um, so you want to just 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 break down? Just go to the top five. Um, for the NACPR, just gotcha. so that way we have that just uh, out there, and then we can all uh, chat about it. Yeah, projected third is uh, West Dean and Weston Willoughby. Uh, projected fourth was Chris Isendorf and Ryan Halstead. And fifth is Logan Miner and Kyle Stonehouse, but uh, that's a very narrow. There's a, a group of boats in that fifth to, like, 11th range that's all around, like, two minutes Total of separation projected. Yeah, I uh, you have on here the estimated finish range. Now, how how is that determined? Uh, it's you know since there's so many variables that can happen in, in a race, you know weather, you know fatigue, etc. Um, any any teams that are projected in for the Clinton in this case, um, any teams that are projected within four minutes of um, of you are considered in your finish range. Um, gotcha. So, you know, taking taking uh, Logan and and Kyle as an example, they they have a finish range of fifth to eighth. So they have, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. They're all projected to finish within four minutes of each other. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, now I know that. My picks, I uh, I kind of aligned with the NACPR. Um, my only change um, was that fifth spot, um, which was um, one that you had too. Which I have uh, Patrick Mann and Ryan Zavril in there. Um, Bill, how 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 different is your pick? Seeing how you didn't put it on the sheet, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually fill it out because it. It was almost pointless in that I think we're all in agreement as far as one, two, three, and four. The five spot, same thing. I see Madden and Zav in the five hole. Um, Beyond that, I see a two-boat race at the front in Steve Lajoie and Mike Davis with uh, a hard press, and it's going to come down to who wins the sprint at the end between uh, Steve and Mike and Jim and Gee. That's that's what I think is going to happen. Um, I think the NACPR, uh, for as much as I like to call it voodoo, is probably reasonably accurate here in that we're going to see who wins the last four or five bends. 
And when it comes down to who wins the last four or five bins, uh, Steve Lejoie, in my opinion, is probably the best marathon paddler in it right now. Um, and that's the guy that I want in the boat for the end. So. Um, now, looking at the at the NACPR, uh, are there any guy any ones that anyone wants to pick out that they see on this list that you think can do better than what they are on the NACPR? Let's let's start with that. I'll, I'll tell you mine. I'll tell you. I think Luke and Christian Charette are gonna do a little bit better than what they're um, picked at. They're picked at 12th on the NACPR, but I, I picked them uh, in sixth. I know that's high, but it might be high, but I, I think they can do it. Luke's, Luke's been uh, um, being more and more impressive, and I think he gets better the longer the race is. I think that... Moving a Quebec native team up is a good choice if you're going to go away from the, the I'll call them the official rankings. Uh, typically, the Michigan teams struggle more at the Clinton uh, comparatively. I think just the variety of water, uh, shallow conditions can sometimes, it looks a lot different than what we paddle in Michigan, and especially in the experienced teams can struggle with that. Uh, that being said, I think... Well, I think Luke and Christian are going amazing. Um, I think Canton is probably one of our best predictors of of finish for the Clinton. This is not a real stat; it's a Rebecca stat. Um, and they <laughs> they were fourth those, there. Those are better than real stats. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe they were fourth at Canton. So may, moving up to or going to sixth at the Clinton, uh, when you consider some of the other teams that weren't at Canton, I think might be a tall order. Uh, but but if you're going to pick a team to do it, that's a good one. Uh, I think based on the racing I've done this year um, and my Homer attitude, um, I, I think Mike and Steve are moving really well. And if they're having a good race, uh, I can see them walking away from the field a bit. Um, they're, they've been moving well. It seems like it's been going pretty easy for them. Um, Steve is such a competitor. And uh, even with the lower water, that kind of lends itself to spreading the field out a little bit. Uh, So I think that could happen. Um, You know, I think Pat and Ryan could be kind of the surprise team that move up local guys um, or comparatively local that they could, you know, really surprise someone and end up on a podium position. That being said, until you're in the top five, it's really hard to kind of move to the front of it. So sometimes getting that fifth spot is uh, is a big step up on the ladder, and, and that might be the top end for them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think looking at the list overall, I would say shift Quebec up, um, shift some of the locals up, and then the the team that I'm really excited to kind of see how their race goes is actually the the Mecklenburgs, right? Um, and they're a little further down on the list. I think they're in 17th, which is probably about right. But I think they've got a lot of speed. This would be a great experience builder for them. They may not have the experience, which is going to come in big in a, in a low water year and even 
bigger in the fact that it's a New York low water year. But I think they're going to be very exciting to watch. Well, this is Travis's first Triple Crown event. Am I correct? Yes, and it will be his third race start ever. Boy. Well, in no this pressure. C2 anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be absolutely exactly. That's why it's going to be so exciting to see how they do. So. Yeah. Phoebe, so, you want to you want to jump in here at all? Well, I I mean I I think I would also move possibly move Patrick and Ryan up maybe to fifth or fifth or even fourth. Um, otherwise, I, I probably agree with most of the of what you guys have said already. Okay. Now, Phoebe and Rebecca, since you're both in the the mixed class for this race, uh, what do you think are the top five mixed teams? <laughs> <laughs> So, Ryan, can you give those to us? Okay, for the, for the NACPR, uh, for the pros only, uh, first projected is Normand and Rebecca. Uh, second would be uh, Joe Schlimmer and Sylvie Nadeau. Uh, third is Phoebe Reese, Ed Curley. Uh, fourth looks to be Al Lindbergh and Barb Bradley. And fifth, uh, Fred Kiefer and Kira Stolen. Um, I, well, I guess my number one would definitely be Rebecca and Norman also. I think oh, come on. I was hoping for a little trash talk. <laughs> yeah. I would think probably would have to like hit a big branch or something and fall out of the boat for us to have any chance. But, um, for, I think for some gas money, we can make that happen. Right, Ryan? <laughs> After that, I think that there are a lot of, um, teams that could possibly be in that top five. Um, you know, Joe, Joe and Sylvie, always a good possibility. I know Joe's just coming back from shoulder surgery, so I, I'm not sure how much he's been, been paddling, but they definitely could be in the top five. Um, Katie Peck and James Dunbar, another one of those really strong dragon bow OC one teams that's crossing over into marathon. Uh, again, that, like, I think the variable there is, you know, how, how well that they're, they'll do with the, the varied conditions and the different water, but they have the strength to be in the top five, definitely. Um, Melissa Swasowski and Greg Glowery are, are definitely a strong team. Um, I don't know. Those are just, those are some of my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. And I think Phoebe, I'm just sitting here nodding my head. Um, <laughs> I, I paddled, a bit with Norman not uh, when we knew we were doing the Clinton but uh, in Florida this year and we were moving really well so I'm hoping that being ditched by my husband isn't going to be too much of a downgrade but I honestly I think you know I'm hoping that more for Norman than for me because um, he's absolutely fantastic and uh, I, I want to make sure I, I keep him up where he wants to be and keep him happy. <laughs> um, uh, I think Phoebe and Ed are going to be so strong um, both local to the area. I had the pleasure of paddling with Ed at Canton. I've done spikes with Phoebe, um, both very strong paddlers and a nice amount of experience now between both of you, like racing pretty competitively. So, uh, you know, that that's going to help a lot. Uh, I believe my third team, I put Greg Lowry and uh, Melissa Swizlowski. They've had some good races at the Nationals um, at Wessels. Melissa's local as well. Uh, usually seems to do really well at the Clinton. 
then I have Sylvie and Joe. I think they're one of those teams with a high high ceiling. You just aren't sure how Joe's come back from his injury is. And, uh, you know, I'm, I mean, he's super strong. All the schlimmers are. And Sylvie is one very, very good paddler as long as, and she can keep Joe in line. So uh, <laughs> they're, they're a good team together. And I also had uh, Katie Peck and uh, James Dunbar, um, young team, not going to have the experience, but man, they're strong. And uh, maybe that low water this year is going to hurt them a little bit. So a more seasoned team like Allenberg, Barb Bradley, um, or or one of the Minnesota teams that's that are going to be really competitive will will take them down. But man, I mean, they have good you know they they had a good Wessels and and I'm pulling for them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I. Uh... I agree with with that. I mean, I I kind of had uh, Rebecca um, and Phoebe one two, and then uh, I I also think uh, Greg Lowry and Melissa are going to do well. Um, I think it's going to be a a good battle between them and Joe, um, and I do think uh, um, uh, other couple teams to mention in the mix mix uh, category too are going to be Bob and uh, Ashley Wissy. They're a local team. Uh, father-daughter team, um, and uh, uh, Phil and Emma Milspa are a brother-sister team that are that are going to be competing. Um, also out there. So, um, yeah. women's. We talked about there being a strong women's uh, um, contingent. Um, what do you guys got for for women's? Bill, go with women's. Yeah, I got women's. Let's. I got this. Um, I I think we have to look at the the favorite here as Mary and Sarah, right? Um, and I think nobody would disagree that they are the favorite. Okay, from there it starts to get interesting because we get Lydia and Ev, we get Cecily and Caitlin, uh, we get Truett and Roberts. Okay, so we've got really a coin flip, in my opinion between those three boats for second place in the women's class. So we do. Um, If I had to pick one for second, I would have to go with Caitlin and Cecily, uh, with Lydia and Ev in third, uh, Truett and Roberts fourth. I think Truett and Roberts are going to be hurt a little bit in that they don't have the experience up on the Clinton water. Um, Caitlin Minar has turned into an absolutely incredible, incredible paddler. Um, and I think her experience in triple crown racing and pro racing is going to really shine and get them to second place. Um, third place, I, I think will be a little tighter there. Um, Lydia is hungry. I don't know a whole lot about Ev, but from talking to Lydia, it, it sounds like they're going really well on the boat. Um, should make for a great race between those three boats for second, third and fourth. So, yeah, for sure. Hey Ryan, you haven't uh, other than telling us the the NACPR, you haven't uh, yeah. given us any how, your opinion. How about uh, how about we stop hiding behind the NACPR? Come yeah. on now, what do you got for for which uh, which class exactly? You pick me. Well, okay, um, I definitely agree. Norman and Rebecca will uh, be first mixed. Um, I do think Phoebe and Ed will be uh, second mixed. 
for the women's, uh, Sarah and Mary, I think, are definitely the favorites for that one. And I, um, I would think uh, Cecily and Caitlin uh, there personally as second place women's, but not by much. So, uh, here, here's my question to you, Ryan. What do you think? Uh, where do you think the NACPR got it wrong? <laughs> oh, well, that's that's a loaded question. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a juicy one. Uh, well, having gone through and, and done a lot of the uh, calculations, there's a lot of paddlers that either don't have current NACPR rankings, like like Ed Curley. Or, you know, there's a lot of rookie paddlers like, you know, Travis Mecklenburg and uh, James Dunbar and and a number that have been uh, racing amateur that appear to be racing uh, pro this year, like Ken Goodwin and Matt King and, and others. So a lot of those I had to calculate using, you know, shorter races, um, race results. And, you know, I'm not I'm not perfect at that. So I think uh, some of them are probably pretty far off um i i i think um you know having looked in around the 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 20th to 30th range i think some of them teams are a little a little high on the list and some of others are pretty low on the list Um, one of those magic magic eight ball says unclear yeah exactly yeah yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I think, you know, it's, it's, when I'm looking at the list, you know, it's just like one of those things that, uh, I don't think that there's a lot, like, other than the, the, I think the top, the very, that first, you know, four or five is, is somewhat clear, but once you start getting past there, it gets, it gets pretty murky, I think, you know, and the further you get down, the, the murkier it, it, it kind of gets, in my opinion, um, especially with this race because it's it's long but it's not super long so it 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 suits different types of people and sometimes you just don't know how they're gonna they're gonna come you know some people that don't have the speed for shorter races do really well to clinton um because they they have a really good grind um and then there's other people that do really well at long races that just don't have enough uh, enough of uh, a high, you know, a higher gear to kind of move up in the Clinton either. So, and yeah. and moving back to the women's race, I I will put it out there. Mary and Sarah, I think, should be very confident in this women's field. Um, it's an incredibly great field with four of the five women's teams are are pretty new women's teams, and that's incredibly exciting. Uh, to see, I mean, it's it's awesome, right? <laughs> like yeah. we have one really experienced team and four, um, if not rookie teams, pretty darn close at the Clinton. And uh, but you know, you're looking at two of the definitely top five, probably the two of the top three or four women paddlers in the con- in in our sport are racing together, and they should feel very confident in that. Um, and I, I just, I know I've talked to both of them and they're very humble about it. And I just want them to know, like, they have the skills and the strength and the experience that they should run away with this, um, or at least be in control, you know? Um, and then, you know, I, I don't know. I like that combination of Texas and Quebec with Ev and Lydia together. Um, I, I like that a little bit more than, than Caitlin and Cecily. 
but not much more because um, Caitlin and Cecily are a little bit more experienced. So it just, that's kind of a, a balance there. Yeah. Um, the dragon boat background, I mean, that course is so technical um, for, for Kelly and Megan. Uh, so I hope they do well. I know they're both incredibly strong, um, but I wouldn't even be totally surprised if Caroline and Tina, um, I know we haven't talked about them. They're the fifth women's team, um, but they've been, they've been putting the work in and, you know, they've been learning a lot, soaking it up like a sponge. And I wouldn't be surprised if they upset one of the other women's teams, not to get, not to win, but, um, maybe, maybe to be up there a little bit more than we think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely going to be a battle between um, uh, Eve and, and Lydia and, and Cecily and Caitlin um, for sure. And I, I, you know, I think it's a, a, a relative. It, even though the, the course is technical, I think it really benefits um, people that you know really come in shape. You know, you, I don't think you can hide in the Clinton from being out of shape. So I think uh, Roberts and Truett are, are going to be in shape. Um, and I, I, so it, it'll be interesting to see how much that helps them. But, all right. Is, uh, is there anything anyone else wants to um, add before we, we wrap this bad boy up? Uh, I actually had a question for all, all four of you. Yeah. Um, regarding the, the amateurs. Um, and, and we could, I pose this question to our listeners as well. Should I include the amateurs in the NACPR from, you know, this point going forward? <laughs> I'll say, I'll say, um, I don't think so. And, um, and the reason I say that is that, um, it hasn't been in the past, um, so I don't know why there would be the change to 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 change it um, as of now. Um, and it's I will say that some of that is is personal um, because my NACPR would have been bumped up um, <laughs> back in the day. Um, but yeah, that that's my opinion. Anyone else want to weigh in? Mostly the reason I, I asked yeah. is because the starts are combined now. So I, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Is in the era of the combined start, I would say yes, because at that point it's the same race, the same course, the same start, the same everything. Mm-hmm. And and I second Bill on that. Uh, only if you're looking at, you know, a lot of these amateur racers do do especially the Asable um, at Pro, which is the only class there now. Um, so if you're trying to get a good comprehensive ranking for that, uh, then using an amateur Clinton result, as long as the starts are together, would make sense. Uh, exactly. It, it doesn't, people have been a little bit more afraid to go up to Classique with the with the waves since they cut the second half of the field in 2010, maybe. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we can grow that back up too. So... I say throw them in if we're starting together. Gotcha. No, I, and I, I get that. I get that. I'm not, you know, I'm really not a, against it. My only um, 
you know. Rebecca, you and I have just been removed from the show, just so you know. <laughs> not at all, not at all. We need, we need to have opposing uh, viewpoints sometimes. Um, you know, my only um, defense to that would be is that they, they knew that they signed up amateur, you know, um, with it being the same start, you know, if they want to be a part of the NACPR, they have the option of, of competing in the pro. So um, if that's part of what is, separates you from the amateur, from being in, in the amateur class and the professional class, um, that would be my only other, you know, kind of uh, comeback. But but I, I see your guys' valid point as well, that they're racing at the same time and, and you know, the – the marathon doesn't have a, a separation anymore either. So, um, so why not? I, I mean, I can, I can see both sides of the table. Well, marathon got rid of it because no one competed in it. Yeah. 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 Well, when you, when it starts, it, I'll, I'll be honest. That's one of the things that I'm, um, surprised about I if if I was a betting man I would have bet that the amateur class would have um, dwindled even further um, at the Clinton um, when they did the combined start um, than it already had because um, it was it was getting low but it's actually like well, I, I, I think that we could it, we could like chat on this subject for hours but I think the there's there's two incentives that keep the amateur class alive in New York at the General Clinton, from my understanding. One, like there's a straight up financial aspect to it. If you know that you're clearly out of the money and you're not worried about whether you're included in the the NACPR rankings or anything of that nature, you can save a couple bucks. Um, but two, there's a lot of pride around winning that amateur class. So there is, and it's kind of an intense competition. So yeah, it doesn't shock me that it hasn't dwindled. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, does anyone else have any uh, last last thoughts before we we send this one off? I'd just like to say good luck to uh, all the competitors, Phoebe. Thank you for coming on. You've been fantastic. Um. Rebecca, have a wonderful ride. Kevin, uh, C1 race, man, you've got this, right? We believe in you here at Canoe Race World, and not just because we wear the logo gear every day. Um, yeah. I want to say thank you to Ryan for putting all the work in to do the projections. Uh, it always is a good talking point. I'm sure there's going to be some contention and someone whoever's listening out there if you didn't rank as high as you wanted to uh you've got seven days and you can prove yourself to be to be better than than the better than the math said you were so until they uh, blame ryan <laughs> never blame ryan <laughs> he's, he's creating the 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 discussion and the and you know kind of moving the show for us so we can't blame him if if it seems off <laughs> Yeah, but for sure, Absolutely. definitely. If you guys yeah. can, if you show us, you know, who's who's who, you know, uh, put down the results, and and we'll 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 talk about it in future episodes. I'm sure. 
So um, I would like to say thank you to all four of you guys for um, taking the time out tonight to uh, discuss the Clinton. Um, thank you, Phoebe, for, for coming on being a guest. Um, good luck, Rebecca. And good luck, Phoebe. And I hope to see Bill and Ryan uh, in New York, but probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but in, uh, until next time, guys, keep on paddling on. Keep on paddling right. on. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at CanoeRaceWorld.com, and don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling. <laughs>